And we are back. Mike Sermich, DangerPlay.com, Gorilla Mindset, and I have a new book out. And today we're going to talk about online branding, online businesses, writing and publishing. So if that stuff interests you, you're going to love this podcast. If it doesn't, no offense to me, there are 100, almost 150 other podcasts to listen to. But there's a lot of bad advice people get about this online game, so I'll just tell you the truth, or at least the truth as I've known it and as I've demonstrated it. Unlike a lot of these gurus, they talk a big game, but what have they really done? You know, what have they really done? Easy to talk, hard to execute. I've executed in real time, so here we go. Question one from Lokeys, L-O-K-E-Y-S-9-1-0. What are key mistakes people make when trying to brand themselves online? The biggest mistake is listening to, to internet marketing people. I see that Low Keys is a, a a fitness guy, fitness competitor, and in fitness you have the most scummy type of marketing out there. And everybody is saying, "Hey, I'm a consultant, and I'm going to teach you how to make a six-figure multi, you know, million-dollar income just off a blog. Follow me and my methodology." But I always say, man, just show me your money. Show me the screen caps, bro. I was like this when um, I would get investment pamphlets. I remember when I was, I don't know, like 19, I got a solicitation for a um, like an investment newsletter. They said, oh, you know, read about you know all my tips. So I called them and I go, hey, can I see a copy of your tax returns? And the woman laughed on the phone, actually. Uh, they'd never been asked for it. And I was like, well, I mean – if you tell me you know more about investing than everyone else, then just show me your returns, right? Well, no, no, we would never do that. Well, if somebody's telling you that they're going to build your online business and blah, 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 great, then they ought to show you screen caps of their actual money. For example, I tell you that I know how to sell books. I have posted screen caps after screen cap. People still deny it. People can still deny the truth, but anybody can see. I even logged in on video one day, and I go, here's how many books I sell a month. Here I am logging into all of my accounts on live video. That's the level of transparency you should have. So if I ever did a marketing course, then I would say, here are all the books I've launched. Here's how much I've sold. Here's how much I've made. Otherwise, it's really nobody's business how much. It's never anybody's business how much you make, but if you're in the business of selling people, on making money from you, then yeah, you better post them screen caps. You better tell people how much money you're making. Or as a consumer, you better demand it. If you don't demand it, you're going to get played. So my number one advice is don't believe the internet marketers. Um, In terms of more specific things, if you avoid that pitfall, you'll avoid most of the really bad advice. The big key is that you got to and it, it, it sounds cliche, but you have to get out of your own head and you just have to think what problems do people have that people want to solve. That is ultimately all I do. If you're building a brand online, you're solving problems for people. Even the Kardashians, you would say, how are the Kardashians solving problems? Well, I mean, they're selling makeup to people. People want makeup because girls want to look pretty. They want to look beautiful. The Kardashians are selling drama. People like drama. People want to watch that drama. People want to find out what is happening next. They're selling fantasy in a lot of ways by posting their life online. So even the Kardashians are giving value to people. Entertainment is value to people. So you always want to think, well, what are you offering? Are you offering entertainment? Are you offering information? 
Well, what do people want to know? What do people want to know? So what happens with a lot of the fit bros is they get real deep into the, the, uh, just how to say it, the weeds. You get real deep in the weeds. Most men and women, they want to look good enough that they can take their clothes off and not be embarrassed. But if you ever talk to these fitness people and you ask them for a program, they're sending you like, okay, you got to eat six times a day and you got to weigh your food and, and it takes two hours to do everything that they tell you to do. Most people don't want to live the fit lifestyle. Most people just want to be feel a little bit better, not feel totally gross and not be ashamed of themselves when they're when have their clothes off. So the, the approach that a lot of people take is – a lot of people in fitness take is just not effective. You want to tell people, hey, you want to not be embarrassed to yourself. Here's how you do it. It'll take you a while. Set reasonable expectations. So, And that goes too into finding your market. If your market is other fitness competitors, well, then great. But your marketing is going to be different than if you're just trying to help regular people live better lives. I mean my mindset material, that is ultimately what it is based on. I don't sell the – um, the, um, what do you call it? I don't want to name names. I don't want to put anybody on blast, but you don't see me in a private jet saying, yeah, buy gorilla mindset. And you're going to be in a private jet like me. I'm not selling people on that. I'm just, I talk to people and a lot of successful people listen to me. A lot of young people do a lot of up and comers, a lot of people starting over. I just sell, Hey man, I'm a pretty happy guy. I live a pretty good life. Uh, I think Gorilla Mindset will help you out. So my approach is different, and that's why you don't see me in a Lamborghini. Look at me in a Lamborghini. I'm so cool, and if you read Gorilla Mindset, you can have that. But there's a market of people who eat that kind of stuff up. They're, th that's a market that I don't want to be in for a lot of reasons, but you got to know your audience. you got to know what they want. you got to find the problems that they have. How do you find the problems they have? you got to ask. you got to talk to people, man. you got to talk to everybody. You got to talk to everybody. Another big lesson for fitness, and we'll move on, is so a friend of mine is like jacked, looks like a Greek god, right? People will go up to him and be like, man, I want to look like you. How do I look like you? What, what? And, you and then he'll try to tell him. That isn't a literal question. People don't actually want to look like that, and they don't want to do what it takes to look like that. They just want to look better. So if you're really fit and people ask you how to get really fit, you might say, eh, you know, the way I look, you even downplay it. You know, the way I look actually is probably overrated. takes too long to get this way. I don't think that's right for most people, but I bet you want to look a little bit better, and then here's how you look a little bit better. You do that, and you're going to connect to people on a much different level. You also knock yourself off that pedestal that a lot of people are on. All right, next question, Tony Bogan, T Bogues 210 what advice would you give to those that want to write about sports and politics? Same advice I give to everybody. Just write, dude. Start a blog. Start a Twitter. Start a Tumblr. Start a YouTube. Start a podcast. Just write every day. You don't need permission. You don't need the Bleacher Report to give you a writing assignment to write about sports. Start writing. Because why? Because your writing probably isn't very good. It probably sucks. I know that mine did. I cringe at some of my earlier writing. But I'm a pretty great writer now because my writing sucked. So the answer is just start, man. Just start. If you want to write about sports or politics, write about it every day, half an hour. Nobody's starting or nobody's stopping you. You don't need permission anymore. That's the great thing. You don't need an internship with Sports Illustrated anymore. You can start your own blog, build your own brand. That's why I love the internet. Uh, next question, Jack. It looks like he's a 
Sock Puppet, Kerouac, Steve Gagsankos, Mike. Any advice to graduating college seniors this spring? If you're graduating this year, what would you? St- where would you start, dude? I would work, work a job, have a side business. Work a job, start a side business. If you can't find a job, that a lot of people have this idea that a job is beneath them. Well, I have this degree, therefore, hey man, a job's a job. If you're waiting tables, you wait tables. Start an online business. Learn online branding. Work. Don't wait for the perfect job. Work the crappy job. Your first job is not your dream job. Your first job is not your last job. I did not necessarily like my first job. So get out of the mindset that something is beneath you. Absolutely nothing is beneath you. Just work. Drive an Uber. If you can't find a job, drive an Uber. Uber would be great. Talk to your passengers if they're talkative. Learn about life. Explore. That sounds sort of vague, but... It is. It is vague because a lot of this is just a mindset shift. Oh, I got a degree. I can't find a job in my career. What do I do? Do I have life meaning? Do I have life purpose? Hey, man, that that is the mindset that because you have a degree, you're hot shit or you matter. It doesn't matter. In life, it doesn't matter what your credentials are. It matters what you can do, what you can deliver. So go out and just work. Start a job on the side. Get in that habit of Developing multiple revenue streams. Remember, these are all mindset habits that that carry with you for life. Get a job, whatever job you can get, and then drive Uber part-time. Well, yeah, but I want to party. Well, okay then, but that isn't being successful. In your 20s, you need to be grinding away. You need to work hard. You need to get in the mindset of, I need multiple streams of income, which most people don't have. Most people, they have a job, and if they lose their job, that is it. If, If you have a job and you have... A side business that makes you a couple hundred bucks a month, hey, that isn't a lot of money, but that grows because it's a mindset habit. And moreover, if you have a side business and you only make a couple hundred bucks a month, if you lose your job, man, that 200 bucks will seem like a lot. So yeah, work, get whatever job you can, start a side business. Get in the habit of developing multiple streams of income. Very, very, very important. Next question from Jordan Lee. Is it better to self-publish or go through a publishing company? Self-publishing by um, by a mile. You can do everything online. First of all, getting a book deal today is almost impossible, especially if you write about anything controversial or edgy. So the question itself is like not to be a dream killer. You're not going to get a book deal anyway. I don't want to sound like bad or mean or like like I, I don't like you. But you're not going to get a book deal anyway. It's just not going to happen, right? I, I've i not had Simon & Schuster say, Mike, you have a massive online profile and your Twitter is 150 million views a month now. And your first book, Gorilla Mindset, is a massive success. We would like to offer you a book deal. Now, if you're controversial and to stand out today, you better be controversial. You better have an edge. You're not going to get a book deal. But anybody can self-publish now. The key is to self-publish professionally. I've linked to a bunch of stuff at DangerandPlay.com. Um, do a Google search, Mike Cernovitz self-publishing, and you'll find a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to rehash it here because I've written about it, probably written enough for a whole book on self-publishing. Next question. Do you believe in writing? This is from ITWARU. Do you believe in writing every day on a routine basis? Yeah, write every day about anything. 30 minutes a day, every day. Don't wait for the muse. Don't wait for the muse. Write every day about anything. Write about where you're sitting right now. Write about five reasons you like my podcast, five reasons you hate you hate it, five reasons, whatever. 
10 reasons, whatever. James Altucher had a good good uh, book, The Idea Machine. And I hate to give away the whole book because I don't want to I don't want to salt James Altucher's game because I like him. The theme of the book is write out 10 ideas a day because writing out three ideas a day is too easy. Writing out five is harder and writing out 10 is hard, which is true. So there's the entire book. Sorry, James. Didn't want to give away your book, but but James has given away the book anyway. So yeah, just 10 things I want to write about today. Just write a list of 10 things that you should write about every day. Because if you wait for creativity to strike you, that just ain't going to work, man. Everybody, even Stephen King on writing, write every day. Everybody says that. That was I read Stephen King's book on writing in college. I always wanted to be a writer one day. And you know what I didn't do? You know what I didn't do? I didn't write every day. Why? Because I was waiting. I would read more books. I just need this right idea. I know one day I'll write a book. I just need to 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 find the right idea. And how do you organize a book? And how do you, how do you write a book, man? No. Then I just started writing every day. Scott Adams would call that systems versus goals. A goal would be to write a book. A system would be to write every day. See now you see why Scott Adams' stuff has resonated so well with me. Because I was doing the same things that he was doing. I didn't even have the labels. So I had in college a goal to write a book. I'm going to write a book, man. About what? I don't know. Because writing a book is insurmountable if you think about it that way. But if you develop a system of, well, I'm just going to write every day. About what? About anything. I used to write about sex. You know, can't, I'm not embarrassed that I used to. But if magically I can make all of that stuff go, go away, just as a branding matter, I would. But hey, man, that's life. And that's why I can't regret anything I've done because that system of writing every day is the reason I just released a MAGA mindset, which is the number one hottest new release now in, in all of its categories. And it was top 215 in the entire Kindle store. It's been like a massive, massive, massive success, okay? Gorilla Mindset was a massive success. I'll be living on Gorilla Mindset for 10 years, man. Why? Because I developed the system of just writing every day. And when you write every day, what happens? You'll eventually have a book. It might take you a couple of years, but if you write every day for two years, 30 minutes a day, let's just say you do that six days a week because you take a day off, that's three hours a week times, we'll say 50 weeks, 150 hours, do that for two years because you take a vacation, which you shouldn't do anyway. But let's say you got, at the end of two years, you'll have 500 hours worth of writing. If I wrote for 500 hours right now, I would have 10 books. Jeez, because I, I write fast. You might not write that fast or be as, quite as prolific, but I would have 10, bo 10 books if I wrote for five hours. But because the system is if you write every day, eventually you're going to have a bunch of different topical groupings, and then it's just about organizing what you've written into a book, and you'll be a better writer. So yes, write every day. Live your life based on zip based on systems, not goals. You don't have a goal to write a book. You have a system of writing every day, and then eventually that is going to lead to a goal. Next question, Big League Chris. How much time? How do you split your time between creation and promotion? Um, they're one and the same, man. If your stuff is good, if your stuff is good, then it's good because it shows that it's good. Big thing is... Show versus tell, right? You learn this in writing class, okay? It's called show versus tell. What do I mean by that? Hey, I'm Mike Cernovich, and I got a book out. It's a great book. 
It's called MAGA Mindset. It's brand new. It's a great book. Well, I've just told you I have a book out. Is that a compelling sales pitch? Is that compelling promotion? No, you probably think the book is going to suck because I can't even I can't even write a commercial to sell you on the book. I can't even pitch you on the book. So how good is the writing? Showing would be, you know, you're look. And I'm just doing this off the cuff right now, off the top of my head, actually. You know, you're looking around, and the world seems kind of crazy. The country is divided. Half of people like this woman, who's Hillary Clinton, who people think is corrupt. Half of the people are terrified of Donald Trump, and a lot of them think that Donald Trump's supporters are bigoted and they hate everybody and they hate Muslims, they hate women. Well, what if that weren't true? What if I could show you it wasn't true? Would you be interested in learning the truth about Donald Trump's rise and finding out that Donald Trump is successful not because of the bad stuff he said and the offensive stuff, but because of his ideas and the ideas that he's applying from other people? Moreover, you might be thinking that Donald Trump is a bad person because he said offensive things. Well, the truth is that you can control the media cycle by being offensive. And when you live in a world like America where the media is extremely biased against Republicans, the best way to get attention is to create conflict and drama and to be outrageous. In MAGA Mindset, you'll learn how Trump creates conflict, how he draws attention to himself, and how drawing attention to yourself will make you more influential. You can even apply these lessons to your own life. All right, there you go. That was off the cuff. I just thought of it during the podcast. So I would tighten it up, obviously. But I've just now created content. The content that I've created is getting into your own head where you realize like, oh, yeah, I, I realize now why like Trump is doing well. Or I wanted to know more. That's content. And I'm promoting my book because I'm giving the answers, right? There's more to it than that, but that is a good way to start. Question, um, Kamal, Kimal J. Tendris, what are your tips for marketing in general? That is a too generic question, so I'm not going to answer that. Um, next question. How much of what you do is based on logic? How much is communication emotion? Look, man, read your David Hume, read your Aristotle. Man is ruled by his passions. Good rhetoric has logic in it because you, if it isn't logical, then people are less likely to have an emotional appeal to it. So that might sound, what do you mean? It has to be logical to create emotion. Sure, if I just told you, let's just say something you want to believe is true. And I told you, I can make you $10 million by investing in the stock market. All you have to do is give me $100. Well, the, your emotion, you want that to be true, right? Well, I have to give you some logic, though, to appeal to your emotions. Because otherwise, you'll feel like a chump. You'll feel like, well, I'm just a, a chump. How can I just believe this guy? So then you got to put in charts and make logical arguments which may or may not be logically compelling, but you have to give people a logical reason to go with their emotions. One of the, one of the best examples of that would be um, Benjamin Franklin. I don't have the direct quote handy, but he was a vegetarian, and he was on a ship, and during the passage or whatever you call it when you're on a ship going somewhere, he smelled this delicious aroma coming in, wafting in from the kitchen. And he heard the skillet sizzling, and he looked, and there was fish being fried, and he thought, well, that looks delicious. But he was a vegetarian and it, because they believed it was unethical to eat meat. But then as they started to cut open the fish, they saw that there were other small fishes inside the fish's stomach. Whereby, he said, I can eat the fish because the fish eat other fish. 
And then he knew right away, and he kind of – that's why everybody loves Ben Franklin. He knew right away that he was just rationalizing. He said, what a gift it is to be a rational creature because as humans, we can find a reason for everything. So you got to have a little bit of logic. His logic, such as it were, his feeling is that he wanted to eat the fish. That was his emotion. But he needed a little logic to hang that on. So his logic, which was, well, the fish eat fish, so why can't I eat fish? Now, of course, there there's all kinds of arguments you could add. You know, you could you could answer that. You could say, well, the difference is that fish aren't rational creatures. Um, they're not moral creatures. They're amoral. Moreover, fish have to eat other fish. There's nothing else for them to eat. Whereas you, as a human, can eat other things. Yada yada. But that's not the point. The point is he had to have some logical hook to make him feel like he was being logical. So you can't separate logic from reason, or rather logic from emotion. You need logic to make people emotional. You need emotion to make people feel hyped because if you don't feel hyped, you don't get that dopamine, and we are just kind of a soup of chemicals. There's a soup of chemicals in our brain floating around all the time, and you want the best soup. All right, next question. Wow, this is we're going to this is going to be we're over 20 minutes. I'll try to keep it under 30. Next question is free willy. Can you give any updated advice that you previously posted in your older vids possible? No, don't no, that that's don't, you know, here's a good just life lesson. Um don't ask for general advice ever because you're not going to get value out of asking the question and any answer I give is going to be a little bit too generic. So if you say, Mike, what is, you know, do you have any advice on this? The way you would want to word it is, Mike, what is your best marketing advice your, or your best piece of marketing advice? Or if Mike, if you could only tell me one thing about marketing, what would it be? And then, then maybe I can come up with an answer. But if, but I've written tons about marketing. So that question is too general. I don't really know how to answer. But my best marketing question would be, or my, if I had to give you the best advice on marketing, it would actually be, you don't need permission anymore. The biggest problem people have with sales is thinking that you need permission to do anything. You don't need permission to promote your brand. You don't need permission to write a book. You don't need permission to start a blog. You don't need permission to do anything other than, you know, don't steal from people, obviously, and don't lie, but you don't need permission. I start the podcast without anyone's permission. I've written books without anyone's permission. Same with you. So that would be my number one marketing advice to answer your question, Willie, is don't ask for permission. You don't need permission. Do it. Make it happen, as they say. All right. Um, Brandon Fisher says, I just wanted to say congrats on your new great release, and thank you. Okay, thank you. You're You're welcome for thanking me and i say thank you brandon for your kind words hmm, let's see justin if i see an opportunity to create a market for publishing material popular in another region of the world should i do it yeah look and, and that is why so much of what i talk about is mindset 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 what is the marketing mindset you don't need permission man you don't you know you know if you do need permission i'm giving you permission i'm giving you permission to market your products and to make a living in business so if you need permission from somebody, I've given you permission. But if you see an opportunity, don't wait. Don't wait for permission. Don't wait for permission. Let's see. We've got a couple more. 
How do you maintain – this is from Gorilla Born, which I think is a Harambe slash Jason Moore meme, uh, Born meme. How do you maintain being productive on longer writing projects, working in sprints, time sessions? Yes, I'm kind of a – I don't – I love writing blogs and I love writing Twitter. I don't like writing books. I do most of my book writing on airplanes when I can't have any Wi-Fi. So my books are primarily written in – Eight to twelve hour shifts. I'm, you know, if I'm flying somewhere, lengthy length. That's why the more I travel, the more books you get from me, right? The less I travel, the more blogs you get from me, and the more Twitter and the more Periscopes you get from me. So, book writing, I do it in like five, eight, sometimes even twelve hour chunks. Sometimes I write ten thousand words for a book at a time. That is personally how I do it. That is not good advice. Do as I say, not as I do. For I, I do need to become more disciplined in my book writing. I've even written about this before at Danger and Play. The, um, the issue with me is I've been growing platforms and yada, yada, but remember logic and reason. So I rationalize my productivity losses, right? I say, well, you know, I, I blog a lot because um, I build that platform, man. If I didn't blog for a month, the plat- if I didn't blog for a month and I came back with a book, then the book is going to sell. It isn't like people are going to forget about me that quick. Or I could get them I could get them back, get people back quickly. Or if I only blogged once a week, I'd still be fine. Book sales would still be fine. But I just I love blogging. I love the rush of it. I love breaking news. I love the inside. I love the exchange with people. I love the back and forth. So I rationalize it like everybody else. I say, "Well, you know, I should do realistically based on my level of pro- pro- prolificity, I should be writing two books a year at a minimum, probably three, but I just love blogging. So I rationalize that away by saying, well, you know, building my platforms and that is the reason I only do one book a year. So for you, do both, but make sure you're writing on your books every day, not doing them in blocks. All right, next question, Mihelis Fraternos. Okay, how did you first test with see feedback? You're making content people wanted before your fame and credibility. I mean, you're just readers, man. You, people, if you write long enough, people are gonna find you. But if you write for like a, if you if you start a website or a YouTube, you might go a year without getting one comment. You're just you're in the wilderness, man. Being a writer. YouTube person, podcaster, you're just you're in the wilderness for a year. And then what usually happens, this team's I've talked to a bunch of people and it's like the three year, ten year rule. The first year, nothing. Two years, maybe you make something. By three years, you're actually making, you know, enough to make it worth your while. You have a fan base, you have a reader base, you're you're actually on the rise. After about ten years, that's when the money comes in. So I always tell people I'm a ten year Overnight success, people go, you came from out of nowhere, man. No, I didn't. It just seems that way to you because nobody knew who I was 10 years ago. That's just life. So you better be prepared if you're going to be a writer to be in the wilderness for at least a year. But after three years, you'll be doing all right. And then 10 years of putting in hard work, you can be a professional writer. It isn't a very good use of your time. I've told people many times, don't become a writer. Unless it is, I, I view writing as a mental illness. If I don't write, then 
my life just is not right. It isn't aligned. It's part of my lifestyle. It's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. I have to write every day. So with me, there's no issue of writer's block. I just, I have these thoughts. I have to get them out. I have to process it. Most people who are real writers are the same way. You're not just phoning it in. You have this muse inside you. You have this passion and you have to write. But if you don't feel that, don't become a writer because if I took my time that I spend, and this is true of all writers, if you can sell books, you can sell anything. If you can sell books, books are hard to sell. It is a tough business. If you can sell books, then you can sell Ice to Eskimos. If you can sell books, you can sell anything. Go sell computer software, financial services, or mutual funds. You'll make so much more money than you would ever selling books. I mean, I've sold I sold 50,000 books in the past year total and I make, you know, 5 6 bucks a book. So hey man, that's a living. I'm not going to complain about that at all. But if I sell if I can sell 50,000 books a year, then I can sell 5,000 financial products in a year and make with my sales skills, I could be making anywhere from one to ten million dollars a year if I worked in real estate or finances or anything else. Based on my level of of selling, I could be making at least a million dollars in income a year, at least, and probably closer to ten. But I just I love writing. I love changing lives. I love hearing from you. I love the feedback. I love the interchange. I love the idea that there's meaning to what I do, and and then a lot of it is too just a compulsion that I have to write, and I wouldn't be fulfilled doing anything else. But if you don't have that burning need to write and to share your ideas with the world, then definitely don't, definitely do not do it. Because if you're a writer, you're not just a writer. You are a marketer. You're a photographer. You are a promoter. You're a social media expert. You are a search engine optimization guru. You are you know how to build a blog. At the very least, you might not know how to code. But you have to know how to build a blog, how to format posts, how to need a little bit of basic HTML. There's a, you need to learn a little bit how to edit a photo. You got to learn a lot. But if you learn all of those skills, then you can make so much more money doing so many other things. So only write if that is what you need to do to feel fulfilled. Otherwise, it, it, it's a bad business. Don't, don't get into it at all. All right, so we're going to go for now that maybe we'll do a part two. If you like it and you want a part two, post a comment at dangerplay.com. I, I like to keep the podcast at uh, under 30 minutes. People go, why? Well, because people's attention spans fall off. You all remember college. You're in college, an hour. You might – because with my podcast, I, there's a difference between comprehension and retention, which is a mes- message lost on a lot of people. I got this advice from a Tony Buzan book you know, so many years ago, which is it's not what you comprehend – that's what you retain. So people listen to a long podcast and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I understood what I was saying. But then the next day I go, well, what did you learn from the podcast? Well, you know, because um, there's too much in an hour. So I like to keep them in a half an hour. But if you want to hear more about online branding and marketing and writing and publishing and all that stuff, then I'll be happy to do it. But you got to let me know because I – another one of my marketing tips would be give the people what they want. I give people what they want. But I find the intersection of what I want to do. For example, I don't want to write about how to make money all the time. I don't want to write about how to pick up chicks. So people want that. I could make money doing it. I don't want to do it. But 
people also want me to write about mindset. People want me to write about politics. People want me to write about persuasion. People want me to write about marketing. Well, I want to write about those topics. So I found the intersection of what you want and what I want. And ultimately, that's life. Find the intersection. This goes. This is the general business advice that works for everything. Find the intersection, the Venn diagram between what people want and what you're willing to provide. That's my number one lesson. Thanks for tuning in. Mike Cernovich, DangerPlay.com. I have a new book on Amazon. MAGA Mindset, Making You in America Great Again. And I actually wrote it with people who hate Trump in mind and people who love Trump. People say, well, how, what if I hate Trump? How could I like it? Well, 40 to 50% of the country loves Trump. So it could be that all of those 100 million of people that you live in America are evil people who are just full of Nazism. That could be. Or it could be that maybe they have a different view on the world that you just don't quite understand and you're not judging them properly. So why don't you just learn about other people, right? That's, that's, what, that's what life is about. I learn about other people. I read your liberal stuff. I know who you liberals are. I don't defriend people on Facebook because they say Trump is orange and Hillary is a queen. I don't care. I, I, you know That is your perspective on the world. So MAGA Mindset is for, written for everybody and it's family-friendly too. No, no cussing. So everybody can read it. You can find that on Amazon right now in Audible or not Audible. Audible will be after the election, but you can find it in paperback and Kindle. So thanks for tuning in. Go check out MAGA Mindset at Amazon, and we will talk soon.